0: right here we go this morning we are continuing in our series in matthew's gospel and today we've got to the parable of the wedding banquet now this word parable literally means according to the book i read to throw alongside so para is alongside bole is throw parable is to throw alongside And so this story about a wedding banquet is thrown alongside what Jesus was doing. And by doing that, it helps us to um, see some important truths about the kingdom of heaven. Now, I am not a literary person. I am a person who is very easily confused. So, res- uh, so parables and so on are dang- dangerous water for me. So, what we're going to do to start with is we're going to go through very, very simply and we're going to see how the comparison works. So, firstly, verse 2 should say this. This is a story explaining the kingdom of heaven, okay? That's what this parable is about, a story explaining the kingdom of heaven. Now, in the other Gospels, the kingdom of heaven is called the kingdom of God. But Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, and Jewish people are very, very careful about how they use the word God. They consider the word God to be so holy and reverent. They try and avoid using it if they can. So here, Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. But the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is wherever God is King. Yeah? Wherever God is embraced and received as King, we have either the Kingdom of God or the Kingdom of Heaven. Now, in Jesus, God Himself is stepping into human time and space, He is stepping into the world as King to set up His Kingdom. But of course, the world has totally rejected God. The world has chosen independence from God. That is sin, rejecting God and choosing something else in God's place. Now, if we will turn away from sin and embrace Jesus, then he's saying, I will welcome you into my kingdom. And this is the most important question about us? This is the question that determines our eternal destiny. Is Jesus the king of our life, or is someone else the king of our life? Who is king of your life this morning now i knew this was coming this morning because i wrote it and i knew i was going to ask you this question last night i found myself lying in bed and thinking okay let's just just face this question really myself who is actually calling the shots in my life at the moment am i really living for jesus or am i living for myself or am i living for something else Who is King of our heart this morning? Coming back to verse 2, which is still on the screens, Jesus uses the story of a wedding banquet to illustrate the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Bible is a long book, it starts in the Garden of Eden with the marriage of Adam and Eve. And it finishes near the end in the great city with the marriage of Christ and his bride, the church. In other words, us. It is a a story about the wedding of God and humanity. Marriage helps us understand the relationship between God and his people. And so when we read this story about the wedding banquet, we're looking at a picture of the end of human history, God's new creation beyond judgment. In other words, this story is a picture about where all human history is heading. Let's have a look at the people in the story. Firstly, in verse 2, which is still on the screens, the king is preparing a banquet for his son. So this is God the father preparing a banquet for his son, Jesus Christ. If we flip on to verse 4, who have we got in verse 4? The people invited to the banquet here are Israel. And their invitation to the banquet is the whole story of the Old Testament. And so this is a parable in part about Israel's rejection of her Messiah. Now clearly not all the Jews rejected Jesus because nearly all of the um, Bible is written by Jewish people uh, the early church was all Jewish we have Jewish people in the congregation this morning not all the Jews have rejected Jesus but Israel widely rejected Jesus and the old testament saw this coming on to verse 7 Okay we talks about verse 7 about those who rejected the city and their, uh, rejected Jesus, and their city was burned. And this is probably pointing towards a historical event in AD 70, um, when the Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem. And we'll read more about that when we come to Matthew chapter 24. So if we go on to verse nine, which is, if I missed verse nine off, I've missed verse nine off. Sorry about that. My bad. Verse nine. The servants are sent out to invite anyone they can find into the banquet. And this is the early apostles taking the good news about Jesus to everyone who wasn't Jewish. And it was salvation flowing out from Israel to the whole world. Again, just what the Old Testament predicted. Verse 11, we got that one. Um, verse 11, we meet this man not wearing wedding clothes. Well, that's not a great surprise, is it? I mean, like, think about the story. They They've just gone out into the streets. They've invited anyone they could find. Come on in and here's a guy not wearing wedding clothes. Surprise! Oh, I was just about, about do my everyday business and I happened to put on my wedding clothes just because I felt like it today. There's going to be loads of people. But that isn't the point that the parable making here because in the Bible, our clothes represent our acts. Yeah? Our self is clothed in what we do so in the parable the man's problem is that he's wearing the wrong clothes but in the kingdom of heaven the man's problem was how he was living Then finally I think we've got verse 13 on there and we read about gnashing of teeth and this tells us that this is a parable about judgment and there are two main groups of people this parable is speaking to Everyone gets invited to the banquet. Some people reject the invitation. And other people accept the invitation but seem to live or forget that they're actually in the king's banquet and live just like the world around them. So there is an awful lot to think about in these verses. So let's go on and we'll have a look at verse 5. Do you want to read this one together? But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. Now, for the first hearers of this parable, this would have been the Jews who rejected Jesus. But for us, I think it will be more helpful to think of those who hear the gospel and reject it, whoever they are. Before we think about what it means to reject the gospel, let's remind ourselves of what the gospel is. Back near the start of Matthew's Gospel, we read this. Read this one together for for me. From that time on, Jesus began to preach: Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So the world is in rebellion against God, and the world is enslaved to sin and death. Who dies? Everyone does. Everyone dies. We're all enslaved to death. The kingdom of heaven is the place where God is king, is the place where Jesus is king. And the prophet Daniel painted an amazing picture that told us that when Jesus, the son of man, came, he would come as king. This is the verses from Daniel. It says, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Now listen to what this says about Jesus. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom will be one that will never be destroyed. That's Jesus who we worship. So now there are two kingdoms in the world. There is the kingdom of sin and evil and death on the one hand, and there is the kingdom of the Son of Man on the other hand, and Jesus has come to invite us to change sides. He's invited us to abandon the kingdom of sin and evil and death and to embrace him as king and come into his kingdom. When Jesus died on the cross. It was the kingdom of sin and evil and death taking out its rival. Christ has died. You know where this is going, don't you? You know where this is going. When Jesus rode on the, rose on the third day, that was him defeating death. And if he defeated death, then he defeated the kingdom of sin and evil and death. Christ is risen. When Jesus comes back again, he will throw sin, evil, and death, and all of its kingdom out of the world altogether. Christ will come again. Will you be so kind? Christ. Christ is. Christ will. Oh, bliss. So, Jesus' invitation, the invitation of the king in the parable, is to abandon sin and evil and death and instead choose Jesus as king. Jesus is inviting us into relationship with him. And when he comes again to judge the world, to raise the dead, to make everything new, then he's inviting us to be part of that new creation with him forever. And the alternative is to be destroyed Forever. Now, how that sits with you as you sit there this morning, how does it it feel? Choose Jesus as king or be destroyed forever. That might sound harsh. Perhaps that might sound a little bit like a dictator. I know there are lots of people in this room who have experienced living under a dictator. Dictators are not good things, are they? No. No, dictators are awful things. So, what we have to remember here is that God is love. Jesus is love. The rule of King Jesus is the rule of love. To reject Jesus is to choose a kingdom that wars against love. The dictator is not Jesus, Jesus is the liberator leading us to life. Sin is the dictator dragging us off to death. To choose Jesus is to choose freedom and life. To choose sin is to choose slavery and death. That's why I asked Haidar if we could sing that song, Chen Bangaram Bar Salabat, at the beginning. Did you hear the words that Hadar read for us? When I look at your cross... I see your marvellous grace your wounds and suffering through which I can see the victory of your majesty your grace that flowed from your blood, blood and body Jesus you healed my wandering soul by your wounds your cross became your throne to sit on king to reveal your love on Mount Calvary kings kill to become world rulers our king gave his life become the king of our heart that is the king that we're looking at the other king wants us dead it's not a very difficult choice what's the response of the guys in the story verse five this is painful let's read it together but they paid no attention and went off one to his field another to his business. What? Oh, sorry, king, I'm too busy with my property. Oh, sorry, king, I'm too busy at work. Remember, this this parable isn't speaking to atheists. It's not speaking to pagans. It was speaking to Israel, people who mostly, whether they followed through on it or not, believed in God. It was people like us. I'm sorry, God, I'm too busy. How unbelievably Stupid. Imagine you're on a sinking ship and someone comes and directs you to a lifeboat and you say, can't you see I'm doing the crossword? Imagine you're on an aeroplane that is on fire and the steward rushes by and says, here's a parachute, there's the door. and You say, but I'm in the middle of the in-flight movie. It's just getting to the good bit. This is what most of the world does to God every day. I know a lot of people who've drifted away from this church now some have gone to other churches that's fine praise God be blessed but some have drifted away from Jesus and have walked away from life that is an unmitigated disaster and a tragedy and we need to pray and beg God to bring them back not because the church is going to save them but Jesus is going to save them this is a really, really serious, heavy parable because this is a really, really serious, heavy issue. That is those who reject Jesus as king. Now we come to the even scarier situation in verse 12. Let's read this together. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wearing weather clothes? The man was speechless. When we come to Jesus, we're washed clean, not because of what we do for him, but because of what he does for us. Yeah? Hallelujah. It doesn't all depend on us being spiritually heroic. It doesn't depend on us being spiritually heroic at all. It all depends on Jesus and what he has done for us. His life, is planted in us so that our life becomes His life in us. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Have I mentioned that before? Here's how Paul puts it in Galatians 3:26 and 27. Have we got that one? You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with christ we're not working to earn forgiveness and new life we have forgiveness and new life as a gift because jesus has paid for it but the condition to receive the gift is to repent to turn away from sin and make him our king to embrace the royal rule of love in our hearts and our lives now of course you don't need me to tell you that we are all corrupt fickle and a bit lame so that's not going to come easily and he's going to have to help us to do it and we're going to mess up a lot and we're going to need a lot of forgiveness and that's okay because he has made just as much forgiveness available as we need and we're going to need a lot of power and that's okay because his spirit is going to come and give us the power that we need but if we are serious about making jesus our king that has to show up in how we live yeah If it doesn't change how we live at all, the only conclusion you could come to is that we haven't really made him our king. Now here's how Paul puts it out in Colossians. And listen out carefully for how he uses the language of changing clothes in this passage. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, Malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator. Clothe yourselves. Therefore, as God's dearly loved children, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive what other grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity that's what life in the kingdom of God is meant to look like. The guy without wedding clothes was in the king's banquet but living like he was still in the world. He'd come into the room but the king hadn't come into his heart and when he was challenged he was speechless. I hear Kind of famous TV personalities talk about, well, when I stand before God, I will ask Him. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I think they will be on their face before Him, crying out for mercy. What excuse is going to wash with the holy creator of the universe? The man was speechless. Friends, we're invited to God's new creation. We are invited into the kingdom of the king of love. But if we're not prepared to embrace Jesus as our king, then actually we're still in the old kingdom. And sooner or later, we're going to get found out. Our new life is a life of grace. We're forgiven by Jesus' blood. We're transformed by Jesus' spirit. Our new life is a life of grace. Our new life is a life of love. But Jesus lives through us. He doesn't live for us. Eternal life is a life of love created and empowered by Jesus but lived by us. This is the life that we are called to live not in theory but in daily practice. This has to show up not on Sunday, when we've got it all together and we're drinking our coffee so nicely with each other. This has got to show up in the office on Monday, in the family on Tuesday, at our social activities on Wednesday, in bed on Thursday, with a cold on Friday. Chilling out on Saturday, back at church the next Sunday. The rule of love running right through it. Because whether we really believe this stuff, or whether we've just learnt to say the right words will be shown up by how we live. We have our invite. What are we going to do with it? If you're able and willing, I'd love for you to stand and we'll pray. King of love, Your heart is for each one of us. Kings kill to become world rulers, but you gave your life to become the king of our heart. And we sing with love because we know that you are our king. how we want you. Come and lead us in life and in love this week, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat. Thank you very much, Duncan. Fantastic, as always. Before giving to the last thing, I'd like to invite Chris for announcements, please.
1: Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Thank you very much, Heather, for leading us and for your message, Duncan. So we'll be here again at 6 o'clock this evening when Paul Harris will be with us, and that will be a communion service. We'll be open tomorrow afternoon between 1 and 3 for the Warm spaces dropping, so if you're free, do come along, spend a bit of time with your church family, just doing various activities or just chatting. Then on Tuesday, we'll have our lunchtime Bible study at one o'clock, when we'll be continuing to look at the life of Abraham. And then on Thursday at 6.30, we have our next big night in. So do come along, share some food together, and play pool, play table tennis, or just sit and chat. Then next Sunday at 11 o'clock, Ruth Moore will be speaking to us on the, next <laughs> on the next section of Matthew's Gospel. And in the evening at six o'clock, Peter Firth will be here with us. There's plans for a new evening Bible study and prayer group. There'll be more information coming out over the next couple of weeks. But if that's something you might be interested in or would like more information about, please speak to Abby, Jack or Kristen. And the other thing, just to say, I've had a message this morning from Louise just to say she's missing all her church family and she sends everybody her love. So do please continue to pray for Louise. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Chris. And now the closing hymn to see how deep the Father's love for us is.